from the Rugby League Cemetery. This is Bring Out Your Dead. A look at loved or loathed players from the past, from Ainsco to Zillman, from Ignatius to Ziggy. It's shorter than a regular cemetery episode, but still longer than any successful podcast. Who knows what horrors lurk within. Yes, welcome to the Rugby League Cemetery, and we're taking a bit of a detour. Uh, we're going into un- unknown territory here. We're going to look at particular players. Uh, it's a bit of a th- you know a bit of a throwback and a bit of a throwdown uh, on some players of the past that won't necessarily come up in the very long-winded uh, cemetery episodes that we ordinarily do, but who we remember either very fondly, very strangely, uh, possibly very bitterly. Uh, who knows? Uh, and today we're looking at a man who played 71 games for Parramatta between 2005 and 2008, 19 games for Cronulla between 2010 and 2011, played 23 games for Wigan, 88 for Wakefield Trinity and 13 for Salford. He was the Rookie of the Year in 2005. Gazzy, who are we talking about today? The one and only Tim Smith. Couldn't yes. be more happy to be here, Morgs. Uh, yes. As I said, I've, I'm an unabashed Tim Smith fan. I've pushed Tim Smith's barrel. I've, uh, I've dragged you kicking and screaming to look at Parramatta players, which is against every uh, fibre in your body and being. Is it, it is. not? It is, yes. I, I, I have to confess at the top of this, this concept, uh, and we should note in advance, this is going to be very short. It's going to be a lot shorter than the very long-winded cemetery episodes that we ordinarily do. So if you happen to be a person, say, from Generation Y, for example, who has a very short attention span, this might be more in your kind of arc, uh, but I have or to a short attention span for us. We might because that, that might be most people. That's <laughs> most generations. Yeah, um, I, I have to confess at the top of the hour, I hate Parramatta and always have, uh, and took very little interest in their 2005 run to the minor premiership, and took very little interest in Tim Smith. Uh, so I appreciate you taking this opportunity to drag me kicking and screaming to face up uh, to his history. Yeah, well, I'm facing you to. Dra- I'm basically making you face up to your own ignorance because Tim sure. Smith, Tim Smith's rookie season of 2005 is the statistical greatest rookie season of all time. It is one of the great seasons by a halfback statistically of all time, and we had every every sense at that time to believe we were seeing one of the great players come through the game. And the fact that we didn't end up seeing that is a tragic loss. To many out there, and it's a it's a loss that the future generations need to be educated about this pod. When someone watches this in two hundred years, they need to learn about Tim Smith because they didn't see his like since. I guarantee it. I don't care how long we're around, we won't see a rookie season like this. So I'm going to start you off by talking about Parramatta, where they came in just before Tim Smith. Uh, Tim Smith uh, debuts in 2005 after an absolute bidding war by clubs to sign him. He was the gun. This wasn't, you know, people talk about him being an unknown at the start of this year and sort of shocking the world in a sense. I mean, he wasn't known because he hadn't played in the NRL, but this, this didn't really come as a surprise. He played at the schoolboys carnival sort of in the years prior and everyone knew. Everyone wanted a piece of him. He, he was a star from, from, from schoolboy age. We all know well, those players. Gazzy, Gazzy. Well, notwithstanding the fact that he was a star at schoolboy's age, he was a graduate of the great Kibra Park. Well, where and else is there? And there, and there, is no, there is no school. I put it to you, my learned colleague. There is no school that creates awe amongst, you know, 
rugby league types. When someone comes through into first grade, they say, oh, yeah, he's very well rated. He was good in the schoolboys. And he comes from Kebra Park. And people go, ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez, be, yeah. Their team's so good, he might not even make halfback in Kebra Park's best side. Having <laughs> been rookie of the year. An incredible, uh, incredible place, the Kebra Park. You're exactly right. And those were the days where Vossi used to call the schoolboy games on TV. And, geez, I missed that, Morgie, of a yeah. Sunday lunch. What was your favourite name for that comp? What do you remember it as? Which cut? The something cut? Ah. I'm blanking on what they used to call it. As soon as you say it, I'll remember. Because uh, it was on just before the life-saving. It was. Just after the life-saving yeah, of I, the Ironman. I remember it as the Arrive Alive Cup. Yeah, that's uh, the one. Arrive yeah, Alive. The, the yeah. road safety campaign. It was at one time known as the Commonwealth Bank Cup a bit before our time. I think there was another, maybe the Nutrigrain or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, do Const- go on. Yeah, that was. Well, um, so anyway, he was very well known coming through. People knew to look out for Tim Smith. Uh, the year before, Parramatta finished 12th out of 15 right down the bottom of the table. Uh, Tim Smith comes into the side. Uh, they finished minor premiers in, in 2005. So, you know, like, this is a pretty big thing. You could put yourself, put the listeners in today's shoes and the team that comes 12th, you know, you look down the bottom of the table last year and look at sides like, you know, the Dragons or, or the, the Bulldogs and those sorts of teams, even the way the Broncos are going at the moment, sort of right down the bottom of the table, if we think the next year, you imagine them signing a 19, 20-year-old player. Uh, come first the next year, uh, especially at a club like Parramatta, which is a big club with a big fan base. Quite incredible. But um, I suppose what we need to talk about is to put in context the statistics of Tim Smith that season. Um, first and foremost, I can confirm that there's rumours of 48, but I can confirm 40 tries. 40 yeah, tries. It's pretty good in. going. It is like objectively well, fairly good going. Good going. It is the record for any player in the history of the NRL. So we can't go back past uh, to the ARL era, but I can confirm that nobody in the NRL era has set up that many tries. Now, let me just reiterate that. Not Andrew Johns, not Jonathan Thurston, not Cooper Cronk, not Daly Cherry Evans, nobody, not Cameron Smith, not Jared Hayne, not James Tedesco, not Tom Travoge, nobody has set up 40 tries in a season. I'm not the biggest fan of assist stats, but I take your point. It is a lot. Okay. All right. It's, you're not the biggest fan of assist stats. That's fine. So let's have a look over who won it for the last only, few years. Only, okay? only, because, only, out of, only because of it's quite subjective as to who gets them. And it doesn't that's necessarily fine. Tells you, tell you what, who could. Okay. But take, that's fine. So, so can, I have a, can I tell you who's led it for the last 45 years? Okay. So from 2017 to 2014, three out of four times, uh, it was won by Jonathan Thurston. So, I mean... And the time it wasn't, it was won by Cooper Cronk. Uh, if you look through the statistical records of the seasons, the highest, the players that have led that over the last 10 years have been Cronk, Thurston, uh, Andrew Johns just before he retired won it consistently. It's been yeah. won by Daly Cherry Evans. It's been won by Mitchell Pearce. So it's been won by the yeah. best halfbacks in the oh, competition. Sure. Mitchell Moses won it once. Yeah. It's a decent it's been won. And if you've said like yeah. 40 is absurd, 40 is a ridiculous mm. number, I accept that. Well, let me run you through the leading try assists since, since 2014. 31, Thurston, 28, 25, 19, and 26. That's going through to from 2014 to 2018. Yeah. I couldn't get last year. The highest ever was 31, and it was arguably the, you know, one of the two best halfbacks of all time, yeah. uh, depending on which state you're from. Um, and nobody else crossed 30. So, we're talk- And one of the years it was 19. One of the years it was 19. It's got- Tim Smith set up 40. 40. He set up double what anyone's setting up in a season. Who, it, was, it, who was it the year it was... Who, who got it the year it was 19? 
I forget. I'm going to have to have a look. Uh, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a particularly good season. Um, what Baloney or someone? Yeah, it might have been. It was 2017. It might still have been Thurston. Was that a year ago? No. Yeah, that might have. Yeah, it might have been. But um, anyway. in any case, it, we we go through. So he's got 40 tries, and just to put that in a little more historical context. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of. I've got I've got three halfbacks to look at. That I've got two, three rookie seasons for you to look at. So Cherry Evans's rookie season, where Manly win the competition, 19 try assists, 10 line break assists, nine line breaks, seven tries. Let me compare that to Tim Smith: 40 try assists, double, 23 line break assists, double, five line breaks and six tries. So half the line breaks and same amount of tries essentially. Adam Reynolds: 13 try assists. No line break assists, eight line breaks and two tries. That's no line break assists in a season halfback. That's incredibly well, bad. Um, and Nathan Cleary, uh, I don't have his debut season. I'm just going to hit you with his first two seasons. He set up 21 in two seasons, has never got more than 10. So Tim Smith sets four, four times as many tries up as Nathan Cleary, like, <laughs> like in a season. Like, this is incredible. Yeah. Like Nathan Cleary is on a million dollars a season. Daly Cherry, Cherry Evans won the competition. His team was flying. He's playing halfback. This incredible side running all over the park. And I remember how good that season was. He was what people were just going, well, who's this kid? Who's this kid? And, you know, he's captain Queensland. He plays for Australia. Adam Reynolds is, you know, in Sydney. He's a big name. He's a very big name. He's won a competition. This bloke has blown those seasons cold out of the water. And his team won. Because you talk about it being subjective. And you're right to a degree. But they won the minor premierships. So no, there's oh, subjectivity. Sure. Yeah. There's subjectivity. Yeah, yeah. They came 12th. They come first. He comes into the team, sets up a mountain of tries they weren't scoring. And they, they win yeah. the minor premiership and go to a prelim. So, and the thing you know, that I would say, the, the thing that really... Um, does bear mentioning with Tim Smith and, the, and, and this season of 2005 is that this side, this Parramatta side's absolute gut rot. Like, it's no good. <laughs> and, the, like, you read through the it's team. <clears throat> like, McKinnon, this is the side that lost in the preliminary final. McKinnon, mm. Burt, Ben Smith, a sort of fairly old Tamana Tahu, Eric Groth, John Morris playing 5'8". I don't think he got a huge amount of help in try assists there. Um, mm. I don't think he got a huge amount of try assists from Mark Riddell at hooker. Kalis, mm. Paul Stringer in the front row, Daniel Wagon, Glenn Morrison, Chad Robinson, uh, PJ Marsh, Dean Witters, Michael Vella, Adam Peake. If you know, I, I think there is a real mm. argument that, that that side probably was entitled to be running twelfth and not entitled mm. to be making the preliminary final. And that no, maybe the, right. the thing that changed between those two seasons being the halfback might have had a difference. They did also sign mm. Glenn Morrison, so I think you've got to you've got to account a bit for that as well. Yeah, fish kicking game. Yeah. yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's exactly right. That he, he, that's the thing is, is the results are right there. It, it was um, Nick Campton wrote a bit about this in lockdown. We wrote about the preliminary final, which I, you know, we'll get to in a moment. But um, Nick Campton wrote, "There's very few highlights of this out there, and if you weren't there and didn't see it, I feel sorry for you." And that's sort of what it was. This was a modern marvel. This was about his season. Do you mean yeah. this season generally? Yeah, yeah. pre-season, yeah. But if you did not see Tim Smith's season, to, and, and that's the sort of thing is that people, people will talk about maybe Tedesco's run over the last 18 months. They'll talk about Jared Haynes' run, Ben Barber's run. This yeah. was one of those. This was like, what is happening here? Because it's not just what he did. It, it, it's how he did it. You know, I've thrown a lot of stats because I'm a bit of a stat man. But let me tell you, like... It doesn't matter what statistics change. They can't. People can't change the way you feel about things. There's there's a way you can do things, and there's a reason yeah. that 
there's a reason that, for example, Benji Marshall will be remembered by fans in a different light to Cooper Cronk. And no knock on Cooper Cronk whatsoever. But yeah. Benji Marshall, you'll never forget. People won't remember, like, oh, yeah, that great Cooper Cronk short ball that he did nine times out of ten for his edge back row to crash over. They remember the Benji Marshall flick around his back to the winger. Yeah, of is course. that. That's what, when, you, when you enlighten these images. And Tim Smith came onto the scene and was throwing four-man cutout passes from next to the post. And he had this kicking game that was just... Exqu- I'm going to say he had the best short-kicking game I've ever seen. He just put... He kept... Like, in this season, he just kept kicking tries like that don't have names, like kicking corkscrews, kicking bananas round the corner he kicked grubbers that sat up grubbers that sat low he used to beat the line step and beat the line and then instead of passing to his winger would grubber for him and just nail it it was incredible and he just did these amazing things on the field and these massive i think peter sterling says in one of the highlight videos that he threw two passes in his rookie season that took my breath away and yeah. sterlo says this two years later yeah. You know, like still Peter Sterling, yeah. two seasons after his rookie year, is talking, mark. look what he did two years ago with these two passes in a game. Not like, look at this game that we won or some... It's just that that try was so wow that you still got Sterlo wanting to chat about it. Yeah. So, so I guess the, the question then is what happened? And mm. part of what happened is that they completely bombed in the preliminary final against North Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost, if people won't remember. So the, the, this is one of those seasons. This is a funny year, 2005, because Parramatta and St. George Illawarra finished top equal points. Um, and I would historically say that neither of them are overly good. Like par- that Parramatta side I've just read out to you is, is like, it's not a particularly, like as, a, as far as minor premiership winning sides go, is very, very poor. Like, and there's some good players there, don't get me wrong. And there's some real talents and kind of, that. but it's it's not anything like the kind of sides that win the minor premiership usually. Um, the well, George have a look at the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs from the year before and the Roosters from that run we talked about. Yeah, recently. and this is what I'm getting. At. And and the Dragon side that came sec equal equal first and came second, who like Parramatta got bundled out in the preliminary final. They went they were, they had a lot of good players, but they were notoriously spineless. Like they would fall apart in in semi-finals and that kind of thing. It's not a year of great sides and. it's funny that because just before that you had that run like you say of the Roosters you had this three or four years where the Roosters were a great side um, and you had a really strong Bulldogs team and Penrith were good and all of this and then they all seemed to have kind of disappeared at the same time the the Roosters didn't even make the finals I don't think in 2004 oh they might have made it but they were nowhere near as good in 2005 they really Mm. fell off a cliff um, Newcastle too. Newcastle, Newcastle. had come off. Where, yeah, I know we missed the year before, but Joey had been injured, and we'd been up every other year. That's another yeah. team that dropped. So Newcastle's there. out, and yeah. then after this, the next year after this is the first time the Storm make the grand final, and mm. they they and then the Storm are on this run, and you have to be really good to beat them. This was the year, like this is a very mm. a real outlier season. It's one, yeah. Um, it is, yeah. Um, it, it's and they got to the preliminary. Yeah. yeah, sorry. No, you're right. Historically, you're absolutely right. But at the time, everyone thought the Dragons were going to play Parramatta. It, yeah, it, oh, absolutely. You don't, know the, you don't know this when you're in it. And one of those things is that it's almost what I wanted to get to. It's a really good point you make. Um, but when you look at these sides, so the prelims are a great look at that. And it's a great look at why we think of this as a weak season. So the Cowboys flogged them. I just want you to think for a moment. I want everyone to reflect out there that Jonathan Thurston this season 
wins the um the Dally M yeah. and, and and takes him to the grand final having just got there and Tim Smith clobbers him in statistics with 40 try assists in the season and has this season this game this Tim Smith and Jonathan Thurston go into this game as a battle of equals yeah. This is not a battle. Yeah, yeah. Of, no, these are the two. Battle. These are the coming yep. men of young halfbacks two. in rugby mm-hmm. league. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. This is the coming in, and what what I suppose I, I wanted to to get to was this is how you look back historically and don't have it as an outlier. If Parramatta yeah. win the game as they should off this season. They win the competition with Tim Smith. He doesn't go to have the, the, the troubles that he may well have had anyway that we'll get to. That's how you get this, where you go, well, oh, yeah, of course, Parramatta won. They have bloody Tim Smith. Set up 40 yeah. tries, had a 10-year career, yeah. played 2010. That, that's how these things happen. At, like, they win people. Jonathan Thurston is who he is because of winning games like this. And we, yeah. <laughs> he wins yeah, a grand final. And you go, oh, well, you know, they didn't win because they ran into Jonathan Thurston. But this is how you get your reputation. And they, they play in this game. And it, it's a stunning outlier to think of now that you go in going, well, I wonder who's going to get the chocolates out of Timmy Smith yeah. and Thurston. This is a real battle of, of the future and, and, and who's going to go on to have the... Because Tim Smith's tipped in this season by no less than Andrew Johns to be the Australian halfback. Peter Sterling ceremonially hands over his <laughs> number seven jersey on the footy show. Which I'd love is to mental. find some footage of that. I love that. Can I say, so would I. nobody loves a hoodoo more than... I love a hoodoo. Yeah. I, I, mm. Nothing makes me happier than talk of hoodoos. The Parramatta number seven hoodoo is my favourite. Um, it lives on and uh, there's nothing funnier. And Let me, no, I love nothing more than every few years when the Telegraph publish yeah. a list of all the people who've played halfback mm. for at least one game for Parramatta since Peter Sterling retired. It's glorious. But, Maybe so I can see David Penner again. Exactly. <laughs> Troy Pezzett, all this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But isn't it, isn't, it, isn't a hoodoo good? Because the, the basis of a hoodoo is that they're really astounded they haven't found a better halfback than Peter, Peter Sterling. Sterling. <laughs> Which is like the ninth one. Oh, he's got big pressure going into Joey's position. Yeah, yeah, geez, yeah. I wonder if they'll find a better one. Yeah, that's <laughs> about right. Parramatta in 2005, I've just said, I've just kind of railed them. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but like he would objectively say that it's not as strong a team as would usually come first. But they, mm. they scored 50 points four times in 2005. Mm. They scored a 48, a 46, and a 40. So they passed 47 times in the, in the yeah. season, including in week one of the finals. Now, you want to talk about this game against North Queensland. Parramatta, having, scored, having gone past 46 times in 24 games, so a quarter of the time during the regular season they went past 40, they then go 46-22 over Manly in week one of the finals to set up to get into this preliminary final. Mm-hmm. That same weekend, the Cowboys got beat 50-6 to six by the Tigers and then ended up incredible. getting their way through to the prelim, playing against Parramatta and knocking them off 29-0. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible that that happens. Um, it's one of those things. Again, this is how people's reputations get made. I mean, yeah. um, Thurston wins this game and he goes to a grand final. He wins the, the, the Dally, um, the Dally a medal just, just over Andrew Johnson. Um, just just because yeah, Joey missed half the, the games, just in case you weren't, weren't aware. Yeah. Missed half the games, came second by a point. But anyway, Joey was untouchable that season. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah, that's right. But um, anyway, not that we're bitter. Um, and, you know, he comes up against Tim Smith in a game they really don't have a right to win. But this is where you get your reputation. He gets to yeah. make the grand final. Um, you know, Marshall does what he does in the grand final, and that's why they become who they are. Tim Smith has this moment. Uh, not he botches it, the team botches it, because this yeah, team sure. had a reputation of doing this before Tim Smith. Oh, yeah. This isn't you. <laughs> Again, who do? Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. But um, look, it is, it is what it is. Um, so 
I suppose before I'd like to look at it the next couple of years, but yeah. before I do that, um, I'd just like to say you did win Rookie of the Year. Would you let me? Would me allow you to run you through the candidates? Yes, we absolutely. Beat the nominees. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's three, and I consider them to be three very unlucky men. One was Leon Bott. <laughs> um, so that's a chance for us to get the video of the yeah, oh, spleen out. We've already <laughs> we've already posted it once, but we'll be posting it again. If you've never seen Leon Bott rupture Bob Hawke's grandson's spleen in a Sydney rugby union game, yeah. you haven't lived. Um, you're the uh, expert broadcaster here, so I'm going to let you, if you want to relay the story about the next person I'm going to name, you might do it more sensibly than I, because the next one's Yaleen Buddy Gordon. Oh, Lord. Uh, so I don't know if I can convey the story on air of what he wrote. No, uh, I'm not going name. to, but he, yeah, no. look it up. Just type in, just type in, <laughs> just type in Yaleen Gordon, Mike Hunt. That yeah, should get it across. Right. He, he wrote it in the um, uh, attendance book at the school, didn't he, on a school yeah, visit? Yeah. yeah, but that was after yeah. he, it was when he signed for the Tigers. Yeah, you yeah it was well after his rookie of the, yeah. the nominee season. Uh, yeah. But the third one was one Gregory Inglis. Yes. And um, let me just say, this wasn't close. This was a knockout, baby. No one thought Greg English should have got it. It looks funny now. No one yeah. thought. No one thought Greg English should have got it over, oh. over Smith. And English was good. You could tell he was good. I remember watching him play fullback actually in the preliminary final that they don't win and going, oh, well, hang on, <laughs> look at this bloke. Um, against the, they, they got beat by the Cowboys, didn't they? Yeah, in week two. I think, yeah. I think it was a week two. Sorry, not yeah, the prelim. Yeah, yeah. It was no, in the finals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, but um, yeah. Look, this was a knockout. Nobody thought in the world that he should have got it over, over Tim Smith. This was the season uh, to end all rookie seasons. Oh, yeah. And one of the seasons to end all seasons, period, in terms of statistical halfback play. Mm. Um, so going on, we, we want to rush through things. Uh, 2006, down year, they come eighth. Um, and, and Tim Smith has some troubles. And I'll, I'll go through those in a moment. I'd rather look at his career first. Um, and basically, so they have, they have that down year. They, 2006, they come eighth. He has some troubles off the field. And again, I will get to them. Uh, and 2007 is his final year at Parramatta. They finish fifth. So they have a bit of a yeah. run up the table. And they go all the way to the prelim and are beaten 26-10. Um, I would just like to make a couple by, of points by, in 2007. By, by, by Melbourne, yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm going to get Yeah, That is one yeah. of my points. Um, 2007, I want to make a point that he got back into the 20s for triassis. So after a poor yeah. year, he gets back Jeez. to in the mid-20s. So, again, he's posting numbers that beat 9 out of 10 half. Well, there's 15 halves in the competition. He'd be beating 13 of the most seasons with that many. So uh, even, he holds up. And this is something I don't, because I remember the Tim mm. Smith craze when he came through. Mm. I, didn't, I, didn't, yep. I never was really invested in it, but I remember it. Mm. But what I didn't remember is that it's the that he had that he fell away or the side fell away. But then he had another big year in two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. and they made the preliminary final again. Mm-hmm. And so even at that point, even after they lose that game at the end of two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. there's every reason to think he's still going to be a tremendous player because he's like he's twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. There he's is. just they've, they've been to two prelims in three years with this kind of fairly ordinary side, with him mm-hmm. steering them around. Yeah. Absolutely. He's been, he's had a down year in 2006, which we'll, we'll talk about, but 2007, he plays every game. They beat the Broncos by 60 to 20 odd in one of the games. What's the, the, the highlights of that as well? Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. And they, they make the prelim. And what I just want to put on record here is that, look, we have every reason to think Parramatta might've botched a prelim or botched the grand final if they got in, but I just want it on the record because Tim Smith doesn't get the chance to play a grand final. He should have got to play in Melbourne. We're cheating. Yeah, and this is what true. people don't get. They don't get 
this. It's bullshit. They, they talk, oh, you know, the players didn't do it. Or they go, oh, you know, you want to award it to second and all this stuff. No, what Melbourne did, it's just such a crime because everything is corrupted. It's corrupted. Yeah, well, it's, the whole season's wasted. It, it's yeah. corrupted. They yeah. have Parramatta having made a preliminary final, had the right to play against a side with less players in it that were good than this. Yeah. And th- this is what people don't get that it matters. Not everyone has Cameron Smith's career where you're good for 15 years. Tim Smith has mental health problems that we'll get to. And he basically never plays at this level again. And he yeah. was a heartbreak of immense yeah. talents. He, he deserved the right. He was yeah. robbed of the right, the, the last chance he ever got to play in a grand final. He's robbed of it because these dirty scumbags cheated the competition. Yeah. They cheated and they don't get called out enough of it. And I'm not blaming the players. I'm blaming whoever did it. But yeah. when people want to whitewash it and boo Gallup for taking it off them, they don't get that this is what guys cost. Nathan Hindmarsh never won one. And yeah, all right. Let's be legit. Parramatta might have botched it and probably would have, but they deserve yeah. the right to play in it. Yeah, they no, I agree. The fair chance nobody to play in that game. Nobody and, holds and, Parramatta in more contempt than me. But I will say that the fact that their wild run in two thousand and nine ended yeah. up playing against a side that was about fifteen million over the cap is totally unfair and totally unfitting of that run. Yeah, uh, and there and, and this season, and you're right. The, this two thousand and seven year, they they should have at least whether they probably wouldn't have won, but they should have at least played against someone who could feasibly have been beaten. Um, yeah. Well, that's right. Because the thing is with them is that um, what, what we say, like when they get to that game, I watched that game and they troubled Melbourne. The score doesn't show it. And yeah, you can't show someone yeah. now. But they, they had moments where I went, Melbourne were untouchable and I watched it and thought Parra coming for them and they put it on them and they came at them and they just the last 20 or so, they just got like ran, they just didn't have enough and they got a bit steamed, but they really had a period of looking like they could win. And that's the moment when you're in it and you're fighting and you're going for the lead and then they just crush you. One or two good players changes that. The fact they've got two extra great players on the field. You just might have Jake Webster in the centres instead of Greg Inglis. Yeah, that's or, right. Or, yeah. One moment. Yeah. yeah. One guy changes that, that game. Um, I always say that the year that the Broncos lost on the bell in a prelim yeah. to Melbourne and Greg Inglis scores the try is my poster boy for this sort of thing because he scores with 10 seconds left to win the game and he shouldn't have been in the team. It yeah. should have been a nobody who might not have scored. Yeah. But that, that's the thing. And, and with Manly, and when they get it, say, yeah. yeah. And when they actually have – a good example of that is in the, uh, the grand final against Cronulla when they sweep the ball out right at the end of the game. And instead of ending up, it ends up with Ben Hampton. Remember that? Yep. They get that yeah. that chance yeah. with a couple of seconds to go, and and it's but it's Ben Hampton who gets the ball, not say Greg Inglis or you know. Um, yeah, but yeah. the other example is they, Cam Smith misses a grand final and they lose by forty points. Exactly when they because he should have played in none of them, or someone else like him should have yeah. played in none of them. They, that's the point. Yeah, yeah that's it. it. Because you just you, not, you, the whole yeah. salary cap exists so that you don't have this many good players in your team. Um, yeah, because yeah, you're right. When I had forgotten that they made this run, but when when I looked mm. it up, I remembered the game and was like, oh yeah, they they did have a crack at them in that game. Um, they did, and, yeah. and and we go we go back to these games building your reputation again. Manly now we'd look back and say Manly would pizzle them in a grand final, but Manly built their reputation after this for winning. Comp. So yeah. they would have gone in and both teams would have been fairly raw. Manly wouldn't have had a lot of grand final experience. Yeah. And yeah, looking back, Manly should win, but we don't know that. And we, they, would, they never get the opportunity to, and, and Manly to, beat to earn that and, right. And the yeah. Storm beat Manly in the grand final by more than they beat Parramatta in the prelim, which yeah. is not the best guide, but suggests that they were sort of roughly equatable sides. Yeah, um, well, that's yeah. right. That's it, it's just... It is. And, and look, that's the last... I, I haven't covered the rest of Tim Smith's career because... 
I know he comes back to Cronulla. He doesn't do much. They were, that was a terrible. That, that's one of my. Can I say it's one of the? I don't mean to offend Cronulla fans here because it all turned out all right. But that side that they had, he was there 2010, 2011. When Ricky Stewart was there, I know they made that they made one top four, but God, they were dire. That was this yeah, were, real yeah. black hole of like Ben Pomeroy and all these awful slow backs and terrible halves and God, they were awful. Is that when they um, signed like when when they signed Hannay and everyone and played? Yeah, 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 Brent Seymour. They, they were a terrible side. Yeah, they might have had Cuffo. Yeah, that, on dollars after the Manly run. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was an awful side. It was, it was, and and look, yeah, he that and he uh, couldn't get into it. There. He couldn't get no, into but, it, and that's the sign of how things, yeah. how far things are gone, it, which it I suppose is. we'll get to. Yeah, we will. We will. And I'm just going to say, we're not going to cover much of his Super League career or the Cronulla stuff because what we cover here will cover why it falls off, I think. And, yeah. and I, I want to celebrate what he did too, not what he didn't. Um, look, Tim Smith uh, is, for those who don't know, Tim Smith was diagnosed after 2007 or at the end of the season with bipolar disorder and goes on an indefinite break from the game. Um, and basically after three games of the 2008 season has the rest of the year off and then yeah. goes to the English Super League the year after and frankly is never any good again. He comes back to Cronulla. He beats Parramatta and again 11-0 for Cronulla and that's nice, but um, ultimately he never amounts to much again. He wasn't even that good in the Super League. I've had a look. There's nothing yeah. outstanding over there. Um, yeah. it was, you know, it, it didn't go too well. Um, you know, there was some lead up to this. Uh, I'm not going to drag out and shame all of his history because he is diagnosed with a mental health disorder that he subsequently got treatment from. So I'm not going to yeah. fizzle him to death. But there was basically a couple of things I did want to go through. Firstly, that um, he was described as a really nice kid, but a bit easily led and quite a heavy drinker. Yeah. Um, he was at the, the Parramatta Club at the wrong time for that. He was there with Mark Riddell. And people were very concerned with how much time he was spending with Rudell, who was a massive drinker. At, and and Brett Finch also comes on board not long after, who was notorious for this sort of thing, the partying yeah. and everything. And he was hanging out a lot with those sorts of guys by the sounds of it. Um, and look, it's not to, not to demonize, but he was a pretty young kid with obviously some mental health issues. And some of the older guys were big drinkers. And he and, and seems to have gone down that path. A lot of what one of the sad things is a lot of people said that when they were struggling in 2006, he was really quite depressed about it and he yeah. showed up drunk to training after a big night out because he wasn't coping with actually the fact that they were losing games and he'd become this huge name. And all of a sudden, when you don't win some games, and we see, yeah. I mean, Latrell Mitchell copped yeah. it this year that you, you don't win some games, and all of a sudden, you, instead of everyone loving you, they're all bagging you and having a go at you. And he, he felt that pressure, but he felt it because he really wanted to win. He was apparently really upset when they were losing yeah. footy games and he didn't handle it in the best way. So those are sorts of, I suppose, is a short narrative of what happened. But I must say that some of the controversies, because there was, was a few with drinking and getting into a bit of trouble, some of them, not to poke fun at them, are a little funny. Um, <laughs> okay, so the first time he was accused of assaulting someone on the piss was at a work function, so a Parramatta function at Christmas 2005, when he was accused of assaulting a man dressed as Santa Claus. Yeah, well, that can happen. I don't like, yeah. But later found like Christmas... to be a frivolous complaint. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So someone's put it on him. 
I was going to say Santa Claus complaint. It happened, but it's and, but the police have labelled it frivolous. Whatever's happened, so so God, there has been a dis- some sort of physical dispute with Santa Claus, but yeah. Santa Claus found it fault, or Tim Smith found actions warranted. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't like Christmas overly. I can back that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's you're the sort of person who get in a tiff with Santa Claus yeah. at a work Christmas party. Yeah. I think you know that expression, um, like "boo Santa Claus." <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Um. So. The, the you know we've went through him showing up drunk at Parramatta training. Yeah, so can I just that, on that? He turned yeah. up drunk to training at two thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, must have yeah, had well, a when bit. I say he was when I was saying he was a drinker, he was a fairly big drinker. Yeah, Jesus. Um, I mean, Mark Riddell was pretty into it. They, there's a story that Mark Riddell was in Sydney one night with Brett Finch and Joey called him up from like Fanny's and was like, "Get down here and get on the drink." And they got in a cab. Oy. Got two crates of beer, cabbed all the way to Newcastle, and Joey gone to bed. Yeah. <laughs> to cab home, back yeah. to Paramount. But like, if yeah. that's the standard, it tells a story, doesn't it? Jesus. Yeah, it does. But yeah. but yeah, look, yeah, showing up drunk in the afternoon, and it, with all, by all accounts, he was fairly contrite, but continued to have those sorts of troubles. That Todd Carney yeah. was similar to this. Yeah. He just kept getting in trouble on the drink, and none of them, can I say, are that bad. Like these are no. all low and level. This is like the thing, that there is something yeah. about uh, the thing that jumped out to me about this. Because um, mm. I, I read a few of these articles in, mm. Knowing that you were going to talk about this it, it kind of like A lot of it's rubbish Yeah, Like it, like it got stood down for pushing Michael Clark I mean if everybody like, If everybody well, felt like pushing this. Michael Clark put, I mean there'd be nobody at work It'd be like the, we'd have to go back to coronavirus <laughs> style lockdown Because there'd be nobody working If everybody well, wanted to shove Michael Clark Yeah Ahead of um, his time, because absolutely. he shoves Michael Clark and tells the security guard, I don't have any time for that wanker. Yeah, well, <laughs> four years, approximately, yeah. approximately four years before Simon Kadich, a.k.a. Josh Hannay, had the same idea. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, now everyone thinks like that. Yes. <laughs> you know? exactly. you know, and, and I think that, that was all over. Michael Clark, all, all Tim Smith, Tim Smith had been approached by some young lady and was having a chat. And Michael Clark's come up and put it on him saying, what are you doing talking? And it turns out to be Clark's ex missus. So yeah. like, he hasn't done anything wrong. Like he's talking to some girl in a bar, young football star. And, and, and Michael Clark's actually had a crack at him and he shoved him on the arm and said like, you know, sort of buzz off. But you're right. These are all sort of stuff like, oh, this- accused of assaulting a man called Santa Claus. And then it turns out to not have happened. Then it's like, it's showed rubbish. up drunk to like, training. Just, well, it's unprofessional. But, time, it, but it's like yeah it, it, it's once just, they decide yeah. on you once they decide that he was yeah but they because he obviously did have a drinking problem like, like who cares yeah. like the drinking well, problem is one thing and if you yeah. like if, if if you've got someone who's turning up drunk to training or that fair enough but yeah. like getting into scuffle like getting into push and shove in pubs i mean god almighty if 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 this like the blokes in the 80s if that had these rules applied they would have had to cancel mm. the sport the, the rugby league wouldn't have made it this far because nobody would have been allowed to play we'd, um, be, we'd be doing this podcast on andrew johns if they did yeah. it if it was like this 10 years earlier yeah that's right exactly 100 percent. he would have got run out and it is just this stupid pious indignation about stuff that does not matter at all you know like I, 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 that, I, that is totally different from yeah. that, that there have been some very serious Things that mm. footballers have done that they absolutely they shouldn't mm. be allowed to play and all of that. I understand that, but like just kind of push and shove in pubs and public urination and you know like really I just don't care. I don't anyone who thinks that a footballer is a role model is a goose. Any parent who lets their kid grow up thinking that a footballer is a role model is a goose of a parent, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I just wanted to share you a, a couple mm. of thoughts uh, about the Michael Clark incident. Mm. Uh, Apparently they kicked on after it. They got kicked out. They kicked on to a place, uh, to a nightclub called Fusion. 
yeah. the well, this happened at Northies. Uh, Northies. I forgot to mention. Yes. Yeah, we should have mentioned that. Yeah, we should have. But I just wanted because to. That's where the bubbler happened. Yeah, that's true. So mm. the bubblers killed the two of the great bubbler. half talents of the era. But I. Yeah. Just one more thing. Uh, the spate of alcohol. This is from an article from um, mm. 2006. The spate of alcohol-related incidents has already prompted Eel CEO Dennis Fitzgerald to call a summit with players to address the booze issue. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fitzgerald, well. Fitzgerald last night refused to comment on the latest Smith incident, but confirmed a meeting with players would happen before the end of the month. Uh, no, the summit hasn't happened yet. They're in camp at the moment. It will happen when they get back. Uh, yeah, there's another thing. There's another article from when he turned up drunk training. Jason Taylor says they're going to set a new standard, which I was very keen on. But um, wouldn't you have loved to have Again, been that in, worked out well for Jason. Yeah, well, <laughs> wouldn't you have loved to have been in the Dennis Fitzgerald Booze Summit? Yeah, I presumably think it'd be held like at the 2020 summit with Kevin Rudd. <laughs> yeah. Presumably, is there any talk on whether they got Blanchett in? <laughs> yeah, I'd say they probably did. Yeah, hosting a panel. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, 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 the thing is, you're exactly right though, because uh, look, when they get this narrative and they just push it, and look, I, I, I'll be fair income with you. I'm 90% with you. I mean, the kid obviously had an alcohol problem, but that's sad and something they should help with and yeah. help guide him with. But it's this, it's the media, not the club haughty, that I'm caring it's about. It's haughty, sanctimonious public it's shaming the, of people, yeah. for people that people do every weekend for kind mm. of largely victimless, you know, yeah. Well, well that, that, that's the thing is that they let people, they let guys like Robert Louis play after domestic violence charges and they let yeah. Ben Barber play after countless charges. But what happens is they pick players and young guys and, and Latrell's going through it at the moment for stuff like breaking COVID, like breaking this COVID sanction and not being nice to the Roosters who had gave him money and played him, you know, like what you get here is that, oh, Tim Smith assaulted Santa Claus, <laughs> like Tim sure. Smith was drunk at training. Tim Smith was seen stumbling around on the weekend. Tim Smith was, um, you know, shoved Michael Clark. And I read one of the articles where they're trying to make out Tim Smith was doing the wrong thing. And I couldn't find the incident. Like they were doing this pious thing, but I couldn't find what they were trying to say because I kept seeing these low grade things. And what I'm saying about it is that we sometimes focus more on the narrative of this guy's a problem than the much bigger problems are staring us in our face that we've ignored. I mean, Greg Bird was let to play in the competition yeah. for like a decade after an horrific crime. And, and it was crime, never mentioned. You know, a horrific talk, crime. And it was never talked no. about again. You know, no, he's just celebrated. And, yeah, and, and he, he was, like he was celebrated happen. as a great player and all this kind of... That's right. Mm. But Whereas Todd different. Carney was wiped out of the game. And this is what, this is what bringing yeah. the game into disrepute is all about for me. Yeah. This whole rubbish, this confected politician nonsense about bringing the game into disrepute, which is this language, which is kind of this cancer that's seeped into the game in the last 20 or 30 years. Oh, it's bringing the game into disrepute is all about it. And and this is the reason that Todd Carney was run out of the game for the bubbler. And some of the guys that you've mentioned weren't run out of the game. Is it what people, what rugby league doesn't like, what the, the, the suits that run the game don't like is people who cause embarrassment. Yeah. You well, Mitchell Pierce. Mitchell, Mitchell Pierce, Pierce is a great one. He got half a, half a season. Yeah, he got eight games or something. For take, taking like, a photo. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the embarrassment and humiliation yeah. on the game. Rugby league is built on disrepute. You can't bring rugby league into disrepute because yeah. if it wasn't for disrepute, it wouldn't exist. Um, yeah, but you can't. You know, if you look through the immortals, like they're all very disreputable, apart from Norm Profen. Yeah, all accounts an upstanding individual. The rest of them. Yeah. Sort of like, Sorry, I, I, I've got off track. I've started soapboxing. I don't mean no, no, to, no, but no, I just. Yeah, I, I, it is though because it's sad. It's just the same toxic rubbish that they go on with. Timmy Smith. 
obviously at this point in his life needed to be in a better environment than Parramatta, in my opinion. And I think that yeah. he obviously had issues. I don't want to skate over the fact that he obviously had some issues and he gets diagnosed with bipolar. He needs mm. a year off. Like he, but that's the thing is he's having these issues and whatever mental health issues he's are having are not being helped by making out like he's Satan for these things and they add to the pressure that look fair enough you're a paid footballer and if he's not playing well people are going to criticize you and and that that's that comes with it but all of this stuff just builds this narrative of like it becomes this torrent and he is essentially wiped out of the game and as you said you didn't realize this wasn't some rookie flash in the pan he comes back after a down year and takes him to a prelim he's a guy that could have had this career he was not well mentally and everything that happened around that made that worse. And it got to yeah. a point where we, we, we lose him. We don't get him back. He never really comes back. We don't see him again. I said, what's what have you been playing in England? And he's clearly on, on his medication and everything else at that point, which does cause some weight gain and stuff. And he's a bigger, bit bigger. He's lost some pace. Doesn't quite have it anymore. He clearly wasn't going to come back. And look, that's it for the Tim Smith story. And I think there's just two things I'd like to end with you on. Um, I, I like to end by talking about how good I think he was, but I've just got one more thing we have of to course, mention. We cannot do a podcast no. without mentioning that in 2015, when he was playing in England uh, under Brian Smith, he and Kevin Locke, another of our favourites, we might do yes. one. He, he and Kevin Locke steal Brian Smith's car drunk and crash it into a wall and yeah. <laughs> get arrested I mean, for stealing and crashing the coach's car. I mean, the fact again, that it's Brian Smith. Go back Smith. to the Michael Smith thing. I mean, Michael Clark thing. Who hasn't thought of doing this? To, to Brian Smith. Look, I yeah, I think that, but this is it, right? Like the drink driving thing it's obviously far more serious than anything that's happened before. So I wouldn't yeah. want to be, I wouldn't want people to think that I was saying that the fact that he got done, like that's terrible. And you can't, you, stealing cars when no. you're on the drink is terrible. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and you should be suspended for that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the other stuff that's kind of half-baked scuffles and all that. that I, but it's not even the suspensions for those earlier things. So it's the, it's the moralizing that he's about, but like it's the, the building this narrative yeah. and the hunting of them and looking yeah. for stories. Like Tim Smith is in a pub again and he pushed someone on the arm becomes the story. Yeah. And it's the, the, one that it's I the looking for that. It's like the bulldogs when they sat outside the pub, they start sitting outside the pub to film Mad Monday. Like that, yeah, like that yeah, way of building it is the problem. It's not, yeah. it's not that this behavior is necessarily desirable yeah. it's, it's the yeah. opposite but i just but think we yeah. reflect on how funny that is apart yeah, from the fact it's, it's, it's not wild. okay and poor yeah it, it, brian, brian smith yeah. imagine imagine being the ceo or the, or the communication staff at that at the club when that happens mm. imagine being brian well, smith with yeah. yeah, well, i mean i'm pretty sure someone's done that to brian smith before gordon tallis tried to fight him and i'd rather have someone steal my car than punch on with yeah, gordon, I, 21 year old tallis that's probably um, right you can't sleep through the fight with gordon well, tallis unfortunately but yeah. I thought of taking Brian Smith's car at least 50 times while he coached us, but I would have driven it through his front window, not into some random wall. When he was coaching the Knights, I had every intention of getting it and smacked it through his front window, baby. And you put that on, on air. Don't edit that out. Oh. <laughs> I can't stand him. can't stand him. But uh, he's, uh, he's got a wonderful record as a coach, but uh, I just don't like him much. But look, um, I thought we had to throw that story in there. But what I wanted to finish on with Tim Smith, is I just want to say that... Um, it was a joy to watch him play. He had every, you know, he was tipped in 2005 to be the Australian next Australian halfback. He had the ability to be. He had one of the best long passing games I've ever seen. He used to throw passes that were further than 
or as far as Andrew Johns and Ricky Stewart's longest pass. He had this beautiful long passing game. He could hold guys up and go short while looking long. He had probably the best short kicking game, attacking short kicking game that I think I've seen from a halfback in my time being alive. He just set up so many tries. And look, you know, maybe we need 10 years to see if it holds up, but kicking isn't the sort of thing that doesn't you know what I mean like they were skilled kicks he could kick off his left foot and thread it through a needle he could kick off his right foot and make it bounce left right or up or down and he had so much it was a pleasure to watch play and it's uh, been a pleasure to talk about him again yeah and sometimes I guess the the kind of the, the the story of him is that you know sometimes it sometimes it doesn't happen you know like mm. these things are very that you know these these sporting careers generally and it's not just sports it's lots of it's lots of things in life it's very fragile you know and it doesn't take too it's he it didn't take too much to go wrong mm. a lot of it his fault and a lot of it not but it didn't take too much to go wrong for him to go from absolutely having the world at his feet going to be a great player going to be one of the best halfbacks for mm. a long time to just you know Playing, not being remembered, like being in and out of one of the worst Cronulla sides ever, and then mm. playing in England and not being remembered, and retiring mm. with no fanfare, and that's it. Um, mm. And that and that happens to people for lots of different reasons. But yeah, it's it's kind of the fragility of um, uh, fragility of life, Gazzy, uh, well, expressed well, through Tim Smith. It is a bit, and I just don't know that they've learned enough from that. When you look at what's happening with some of the players out there now where we just let this build up again and again. Um, Latrell Mitchell's done way less than Tim Smith ever did, and even just this year you cop, you know, oh, he's breached COVID, oh, he's done this, oh, he's fat at training. It becomes the media are waiting out. You know, like there's Batuta Advocate articles now going, oh, like the, you know, they're hounding restaurant owners to see what he had for breakfast but it's not it's not that far from the truth it's that you you pick these narratives on a guy and you decide how to treat them once you decide they're a problem you go looking for anything that you can say to just continue down that path of yeah okay some of it you have to do some things that aren't perfect in the first place to get on the radar but once you're on there it's this hounding of it and it's the, the fact that we all buy into it and the fact that the media does and the clubs then do is it just sends people down the wrong way and i'd like to think that when we start having some of these issues we might deal with them a bit better in future and the fact that he's drinking too much at 20 and shoving some people doesn't end up with him having to have a year off and unable to play in the sport anymore i'd like to think we could progress past that point i'm not so sure we have no i suspect you're right thank you for that gazzy i uh this this is this has been a good exercise for you at the very least i think cathartic Mm, timmy smith baby forever yeah well uh until next time from the Rugby League Cemetery. I hope you've enjoyed this little deviation from our usual broadcasting. We'll be back. We will be back on the weekend. We're looking at, uh, I think we're looking at the Super Bowl, uh, the 1998 uh, match between the Newcastle Knights premiers of the ARL and the Brisbane Broncos premiers of the Super League. That's something to look forward to. (laughs) Absolutely no joy whatsoever. Uh, Until then, Gazzy, thank you as always. Signing off from the Rugby League Cemetery. 20 metre line right in front of the uprights. And here's Nathan Heimer. 10 out. Four Broncos in the tackle. Including Sivan Asiva and Brad Thorne, who's last to rise. Tim Smith, he fires out a pass for Hino. What a pass from Tim Smith. A beautiful pass. And Krishnan Hino scores another try. He's done everything right this afternoon, Tim Smith. Some criticism coming into this game. Some people call for him to be taken out of the side. He started every game. 
Michael Hagan showed plenty of confidence in him, and that is the icing on the cake when it comes to the performance of Tim Smith. His, his long ball cutout pass, his first season he threw two passes that took my breath away. They were that good. This one is up there, top drawer as well. He's having a wonderful afternoon, Kristen Inu, isn't he? he he's, he's laughing and smiling and joking, yeah. joshing. Well, he had the giggles there, didn't he? He looked up, there was no one in front of him.